I, I started, my first youth pastor gig was in 2000. And I ran into some guys in the southeast who had been in the game a little bit longer than me. Um, and I was totally sold out that youth ministry is all I wanted to do at the time. But at the same time, we, you guys know that feel where like youth ministry people, you're kind of like junior ministers or you're like just, or you can't find another job type situation. Um, there's, I, I get really irked about kind of low view of youth ministry type stuff. But anyway, I, I also kind of started in ministry a little bit uncertain, came to faith in college, you know, uh, and I, I was super excited about just cranking away in ministry, loving students, learning the thing. And I ran into some guys who were, you know, a good solid 10 years older than me, who'd been in youth ministry for a while. Just, they just poured into me, uh, invited me to a gathering with some youth leaders. And it was primarily about encouragement and connection and fellowship. Wasn't a whole lot of teaching and stuff. Um, and they, they became a lifeline for me um, of ministry. And most of those guys are still in ministry. Many of them are still in youth ministry, which is awesome. Because um, as you can see, I'm not 25 anymore. Um, anyway, RYM, uh, I started going to RYM summer conferences that same summer and introduced myself to, R I was introduced to RYM and just kept going every summer and seeing the blessings of it. But when they started, they started youth leader training in, the, in 2008, I believe. Um, it was a little bitty group of guys, uh, the official youth leader training. Uh, Les was talking about some training they would do during the summer conferences back in the 90s, just kind of teasing some of that stuff out. But they officially started in Memphis group of guys got together and just, um, and, and, and Joey's heart and the board's heart was to start really pouring in to like a little more robustly, some solid theology, Bible, just really think well about ministry and, uh, and, and all that good stuff. And it's just developed and grown over the years. There's a few people in Memphis staying in host homes at, at a church there and went to a small conference center the next year about, and that's when I first went was in 2009. The point of this is when I went as a, you know, I'd been in ministry for almost 10 years, you know, you know, and thought I had all the answers, which I didn't. But I remember coming to YLT and immediately kind of walking into something that was like, it was a stick figure diagram back then. We've now gotten really crazy um, and added some stuff to it. And I was introduced to this diagram, you know, the POM diagram. Um, and I'm just, all I'm trying to say here is like the, the YLT family became such an important connection for me and like year to year kept me going in ministry. But I'd been doing ministry for a long time and the philosophy of ministry conversation, I'm, not, I'm trying to not talk about it as some sort of finished package or whatever, but it, it be began to give me rails uh, to run on. It gave me windows to look through that were healthy and biblical. Um, and I'm, I'm getting up here just to say that even now, many years later, um, the, the, the principles and the attributes of, of this, um, this kind of filter, we like to call it, it's like a filter you look through, like it affects everything in my life, the way I parent, the way I think about my neighbors, the way I think about RYM, the thing we're doing. Um, so I, I say that to say what Richie's going to be introducing you to, and some of you all will know some of this stuff. None of it's like rocket science. It's not like, you know, this mysterious code we've discovered. Um, you know, it was very, it's built off of and, and growing more and more out of, not like away from, but out of and becoming more overtly youth ministry in the local church flavored. But it was truly, it was unashamedly born out of really great thinking. Uh, at the College Campus Ministry Reform University Fellowship. That's why often we have some of their long-timers doing some of the teaching because they know this stuff and they understand that it's very helpful to be used as your conversation to be thinking about. And I can't wait for Richie to do that with you. But um, I'm being more verbose than I wanted. I'm trying to say that there's some incredible content, um, but I want you to know that 
what Richie's inviting you into, and what we're inviting you into is, is not this like, okay, I found it, and it's going to make everything better. We're really inviting you something that will free you from yourself, free you from certain pressures, and it will free you to think well about not what you do primarily, but how you think about what you're trying to do and help you get there. Um, there are a lot of resources online that, like, another thing I was going to say is in those early years, like the year ones would do philosophy ministry the whole week. Um, and then we slowly have tinkered with it to try to make it a different thing. And I'm very happy with where we are now. We'll keep thinking about it. But there's the, the philosophy ministry conversation grows and develops and begins to flourish more. The more you just kind of lean into it, think about it, talk about it. There are some great recordings online um, uh, of other from years past of people talking about other aspects of it at greater length. Um, and uh, I'll be sending you an email. I start doing this every year. It's called the POM Supplement. It's just a, a web page that has shortcuts to some of the some of the really good POM stuff. There are a lot of diagrams on the the di digital notebook that you may hear referenced but not seen. Um, so I, I'm, I guess I'm trying to say there's a whole lot to it, but at the same time, there's not a whole lot to it. Um, it's uh, you can overthink it and make it something it's not. So this diagram has a lot going on, and through the course of today, you're going to hear. Um, a lot of it talked about, you know, purpose goals. Why do we do it? And I'll kind of we'll unpack some of it. Richie will be doing kind of purpose goal stuff and presuppositions. And then you'll have less this afternoon talking about the principles and what's going on there. So I, I wanted to stand up here for a second and welcome you to something that I'm praying will be as freeing and helpful and, and beneficial for you over the years. You know, not like you leave here. And it's like, oh, got it. Um, but it will begin to help. It will, it will either begin to help you think better and better about ministry and life. Um, and or or it'll improve and develop and grow where you already are. Um, we're not selling the magic bullet. We're simply inviting you into something that's that's uh, it's pretty straightforward out of scripture, and it helps you think well about things. Richie's going to be um, talking about things from. He'll be talking about the tree, um, and uh, uh, don't try to read all that right now. He'll talk you through it. But I'm just going to put it up there because I'm going to be bouncing around different rooms, but. Uh, if it's okay if that's up there. If you see them staring at that and not listening to you, just rebuke them openly. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can do it however you want, but it's kind of, if, if I could say and remind a thing that I would really love to unpack, you know, you got to get a good chunk for presuppositions and a good chunk for just the bigger picture, what it's all about and stuff like that. All right, cool. All right, I'm going to get out of the way. I was attempted to be like a hype speech, and it turned into not feeling like one. Um, but... <laughs> I'm excited to introduce you guys to this stuff and, and, and also just to remind you and encourage you that, uh, you know, it's something that it's, it's either the beginning of a journey moving forward and uh, it only gets better the more we think it through with one another. I'm done now. Right on. Thanks, Michael. Oh, my. That is, that is, uh, my cornea is now burned. Um, okay. All right. Can I put this right here? Okay. This is going to be really awkward moments, <laughs> awkward moments. All right, I'm going to try to get away from that, okay? Can you get away from that? Okay, cool. Um, now, hey, y'all. Um, my name's Richie. I spoke to y'all last night. I heard Andy was awesome, too. I hate to miss that. Um, all right. Let's just start praying. I just want to open in prayer. Father, this is your world. 
above us. You redeem our life from the pit. You crown us with compassion. You forgive all of our sins. And so would you help me as I teach this, that even in by teaching the POM, we'll, we'll see more of you, Jesus, and we'll love you more. We'll be more humbled in our ministries. We'll be more convinced that it's your work and not ours. And your love. Thank you for this time. Amen. P-O-M. So when I first was introduced to, to the uh, P-O-M, I was very intimidated. Um, it was an RUF, and I'd been in ministry for, you know, over 10 years um, already. I'd been a pastor. A little bit about me, I was a pastor of a local church before I did RUF. Um, it's a long story, but um, I was a senior pastor of a church in Memphis called Independent Presbyterian Church. I was there for a total of nine years. I was a senior pastor for six years. I became a senior pastor at 33, which is um, inappropriate and absurd. Uh, <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Uh, but it was, uh, it, was, it was amazing and it was awful. So, but I learned uh, a lot about myself. I learned a lot of what I don't know. Um, and then I go into RUF in 2015, and they're talking about this POM, and I was like, what is a POM? Does anyone have, when I say, when they say POM, is, it, is anyone just raise your, it's kind of like, is this kind of like weird? But is this insider knowledge, you kind of stuff like that? Okay, gross, okay? It isn't. Uh, we want to be snobs about everything, right? Humans just become snobs about everything, because snobs about the philosophy of ministry. Um, the philosophy of ministry is a tool that helps your ministry be Christ-centered and theologically reflective. The POM is a tool that helps your ministry be Christ-centered. Uh, not you-centered. Not program-centered. Not methods-centered. Not the, the loudest, scariest parent-centered but Christ-centered, because that is the only ministry that the Spirit will truly bless. It's a Christ-centered ministry. This is a Christ-centered world. We have a Christ-centered Christ Bible. So it, it's a tool, and it's a really good tool, but it helps your ministry be Christ-centered. Now, um, let me also say this. It takes a while to kind of like think this way. And I don't know why. It could be a variety of reasons. To think philosophically, I don't think we're trained. I think I was trained to think pragmatically. Like what works? That just was drilled into my brain. What 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 works? And so thinking philosophically, your first go-to is not what works. What works sort of keeps you from getting fired or in trouble with a session sometimes. But but being theologically reflective is slower. It takes patience. Um, sometimes the it, it's I think it's more biblical in the way we see fruit. You know, hence, and we'll talk about the tree. How does how does how do we create how do how does God make Christians and how do they grow? That's slow work. 
So it is a tool that can help your ministry be Christ-centered and theologically reflective. That's my, um, that's my definition, but I think it's a faithful definition of the POM. There are a bunch of different versions of teaching in the POM. It's like, what po- apocryphal versions are there? So this is my version. Um, now let me ask you a question. What is the mission of RYM? Somebody. I'm going to ask questions. You have to, class participation is part of your grade. What's the mission of RUF? I mean, RUF, RYM. I'm going to do that a bunch. I apologize. It's inevitable. Y'all know? Anybody? To reach students for, and then to equip. Yeah, reach and equip. And by the way, that's also RUF's uh, mission too. And it's basically the mission of every Protestant evangelical church that has ever existed. It is not novel. Why is it so basic? Where in Scripture do you find reaching and equipping? Give me so y'all talk about listen to the Bible. We talk about the purpose, the mission, the purpose of RYM. Where do you find reach? people and equip them where do you find that in the scriptures okay yeah break it down for me you don't have to don't be perfect but just what, what give me the great commission go go like reach them and then equip them teach them to obey all that i've commanded you right and then we go to places like acts chapter 2 after pentecost it's one of my favorite stories it's the spirit just boom comes down it's a it's an undoing of the Tower of Babel. It's a reversing of Babel. It's just wild. Um, and they all are preaching the gospel, and all these people are converted. Thousands of people. Just this crazy thing. All these different people are hearing the gospel in their own tongues. They're hearing about the good news of the gospel. And then one of the things I love about this is if you get to the end of Acts, Acts 2.42, they're basically just being church. Like, I love how unsexy it is. They're breaking bread in their homes. They're uh, devoted to the apostles' teaching. With glad and sincere hearts, they're, they're devoted to the prayers. It seems like there's like a, they, they, they all have these prayers that they're praying together. You know, they're, they're just being Christians in community, living out a spirit-filled life. I, it's so encouraging to me. That when we carry out the purpose of the church, it is so basic. It's not mysterious. It's not mysterious that what we're here to do is to reach students. God reaches students through us. To reach students for Christ. For people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. To love Jesus. To find Jesus precious. That's my prayer for my children I, at the end of the day, what do I want? I want my children to think Jesus is, find Jesus precious. Because then you find Jesus precious, then their entire life is changed. And that's where we get the goals, and we'll go over those in the next session. But I really want to hone in on this. The purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission by the power of the Holy Spirit. But, okay, but why have a POM? If that's the purpose... Why well, have this thing called the philosophy of ministry? If it's our purpose, just go do that. Which leads me to this question. How do you know what to do in ministry? When I got out of seminary, remember 
I hadn't had a lot of previous ministry experience, but you're sitting in your office, you know. <laughs> You've got all your books. <laughs> and you're sitting there going like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I'm serious. I remember I got out and I was like, I've got JC, I've got a JC Ryle book I haven't read. Um, I guess I could just watch some more YouTube videos <laughs> and then walk out like I'm really tired and really thinking like. <laughs> and I was paralyzed. I was paralyzed because there were so many things to do. Reach. I was in Cleveland, Mississippi in the Delta. Reach the, reach the children of the Delta and equip them to serve. And I was like, I think I'm going to go to Taco. Y'all see, like, I didn't argue, like, seminary and our content, it doesn't give us this thing that enables us to carry out the Great Commission, and this is a tool that enables you to carry out the Great Commission, Great Commission in a way that is Christ-centered, that is intentionally Christ-centered. And that is really, really good. It gives you, like, like uh, Michael said, tracks to run on. Um, okay, so here's what I want to do. In this first hour, I want to give you, before we jump into the POM, I want to tell you why a philosophy of ministry is helpful. Why having one, rather than just saying like, hey, go, go do evangelism, because here's what, if you're like me, you're going to be paralyzed because that is overwhelming, and you don't even know how to make decisions. You don't even make, you don't even make choices. You love students, you love the gospel, you love the Bible, but then you're like, okay, but like, how, how do I decide what we're going to do and why we're going to do it? That's the POM. Now, now you see why I like the POM? Because I'm pretty simple. I need something, and here's the first thing I would say the POM is. It's a lens. It's something, a lens is something that facilitates and influences Perception, comprehension, and evaluation. It's a lens that we look at our ministries through. Our perception, our comprehension, our evaluation, our ministry, ministry is shaped by looking at through the lens of the philosophy of ministry. I'm sitting in my office at an independent Presbyterian church. I'm now the senior pastor. I'm no longer assistant pastor, youth pastor. I feel like I have quantum leaped. Anybody knows that reference? I feel like I had just woke up in someone else's body. It was like a, and, and I'm the senior pastor of a 2,000-member church. Like, honestly, you can't find anyone else to do this job. Um, and I remember sitting in my, and, and I had this big half-moon window. Like, there was this, it's a really kind of country club church. You know, it's like really, really nice. But like country club in like a 1986 Lincoln Continental kind of way. So like big windows and staircase and all that. Okay. They had a big half moon uh, window, and I remember sitting out there, and we were planning for fall church, for, for the fall programming. And it was this huge under undertaking. And Jeremy Jones was there. Jeremy Jones, and this is what, he is like a Yoda of the philosophy ministry. Uh, um, he was the REF campus minister at Emory and at Southern Miss. Jeremy Jones, Parker Tennant, who was REF at Arizona, and then Samuel Husband was REF at Memphis. They're all on my staff. So I hired all the REF guys. 
And so we have a whiteboard out. It's like July, and we're going, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, we have all these people who are going to get mad at us if we don't have all these things. And so we're just throwing stuff out there. We have dry erase markers. I can just still smell and hear the squeak of them, just a fury. One, 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 of the, one of the guys, none of these, one of the guys that was on staff who remained nameless, a sweet, wonderful person said, we need to have a all-round-the-world dinners on Wednesday nights, Italian night, Mexican night, Memphis night, Asian night. We have a new salad bar. We had two salad bars, two salad bars. In our, your, your church is too big. You have two salad bars in your church. <laughs> we had two salad bars. Good new salad bar. We have a missions conference. We got Sunday school for the seniors. We got middle age and senior high and junior high and preschool Wednesday and choir and gymnasium. We had a gymnasium. We had Christian yoga. So we're just going, oh, Christian yoga, yeah, oh my gosh, move out. All this kind of stuff. And I'm going like, I, I don't even know if I, 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 I want to go home and crawl up in a fetal position. Because there were so many things. And I remember Parker and Jeremy and Samuel, they almost staged an intervention. And they said, why are we doing all of this? And I didn't know what to say. It's because they were asking a question because they were seeing it through the lens of a POM. It's okay if you don't know what it is yet, but they're seeing it through a lens. And so they're beginning to ask a why question. Why would you do that? Because what the POM enables you to do is it narrows your focus about what God calls Evangelism and discipleship. It, it narrows the focus about what we as a church are called to do. Now, all these things are good things. I'm not saying anything bad about that or churches that have multiple programs. But what churches don't often do is ask the why question, why are we doing this? And they said, why are, what are you trying to accomplish? What are the core beliefs that drive these decisions? They said, how are people transformed? Those are all questions that come from this. It's a lens that enables you to see, to literally look at your year and go, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And we're not going to do this. And why aren't we going to do this? Because this is not our, that's not our philosophy of ministry. And there are a lot of people that are doing great things for Jesus that you're going to be able to say, like, hey, rock on. That's not our, that's not our philosophy of ministry. It enables, helps me on campus when people ask me to do, like, things that are like, oh, that's good, not great, kind of weird, to go like, hey, that's not really our philosophy of ministry. We're not better than you, but we have a very focused philosophy of ministry. We have, this is how we make decisions. This is why we do what we do. We don't have to, how about this? This lens helps you from, keeps you, might help you not reinvent the wheel every year. Right? Okay. So. It's a lens. It's a lens to look at your ministry. It's a lens to look at yourself. It's a lens to look at your student. It's a lens to look at your church. Because the context is always changing. But the philosophy of ministry stays the same. So it enables you to have what we call a fixed theology and a flexible methodology. So it's a lens. Here's the second thing it is. And feel free to ask questions in the midst of this, please. It's a processor. It's a lens. It's a processor. 
processor is something that exchanges data with the system's memory and creates its manages other components in some computer thing. But basically here it is. It's, it's a way from taking this theological content and then turning it into ministry. So like I said, when I first got out of seminary, I was standing, I was, I was surrounded by commentaries and theology and great teaching. But I had no idea how to translate that into the life of an 8th grader. That's okay. Like seminary... Seminary is great. Seminary professors are different. <laughs> they're just as different as everybody else. But like most of, most of the seminary professors are around, they're not like thinking about how they can like reach a 13-year-old, okay? They're, that's not their job. Or at least it isn't now. So how do we take theological content, systematic theology, biblical theology, the languages, practical theology, homiletics, hermeneutics, great content, information, and then enable you to do the ministry that you're called. How do you then use the content that you've been taught? That was so helpful for me. Because what happens is you've got all this content, and then someone calls in, comes into your office, and they, they can't stop cutting themselves. Someone comes into your office and they're having real uh, gender identity issues. People come into your office and they are terrified of their dad. And so how do we then take the gospel and then apply it? What I used to do was just, I guess I would just give them a book. Like, Here's a, here's a book, because that's what I taught. Content will fix you, right? But content doesn't fix people. Just giving them content doesn't fix people. It has to be content that is liquefied. Drink it down. Swallow it. That's the gospel. So it's a processor that enables you to do that. Um, it forces us to ask questions of the decisions that we're making. Where am I? Who are my students? Who am I? What is justification? Where do my students self-justify? What does the fall semester look like? For a sophomore girl from Chicago who just became a Christian last fall. What functions here? What works here? I remember um, um, it helps you say no to things. So like it clarifies your ability to say no to certain things and say yes to certain things. Before, I didn't know what to say no to or say yes to. And, and that's when we get into, and we'll get that in a minute, that's when we get into the strongest personality wins problem. Do you know what I mean? Strongest personality wins, then you're like, but if you, do, but if you have a clear philosophy of ministry, then, then, then you're able to argue through the philosophy of ministry. This is our philosophy of ministry. This is why we're doing it, rather than you against a millionaire elder. Right? I'm just giving hypotheticals. This is maybe from personal experience. I don't know. <laughs> the philosophy of ministry, the philosophy of ministry can help you not have to do that all the time. It, it can help you be able to talk about ministry and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And it's thoroughly biblical and it's very Christ-centered and it's gospel-centered. This is how we believe students are transformed. This is how we believe people grow in grace or seek out evangelism, mission, fellowship, and service and grow in a biblical world in my view. Oh, how do you argue against that? You can't. <laughs> I'll answer. You can't argue against that fruit. Right? 
So, um, third, it's a safeguard. So it's a lens, it's a processor, it's a safeguard. And these are all just words I've come up with over the years to think about how having the philosophy ministry is helpful. It's a safeguard. It, it's almost like, have you ever been bowling and you have these gutter guards? Uh, have you ever been bowling and like you, it keeps it from going into the, to the gutter? Um, I'm always kind of jealous of the kids when they're doing that because it's like, that's nice. Um, it keeps the main thing the main thing. And this is one of the best things. The, the philosophy of ministry protects your ministry from you. Protect your ministry from you. We all have a gift mix, and that's wonderful. There are things that we're naturally good at, things that we don't have to practice because they just come naturally to us. Maybe you just crush small groups. You are like LeBron at small groups. Maybe you're really good at speaking in front of people. Maybe you're a good upfront teacher. Maybe you're really good at one-on-ones. And, and, it, and what happens is those gifts can very quickly, your giftedness can very quickly become the engine of your ministry. Do y'all agree with me? Like, you're really good. How about this? He's a gatherer. She's such a gatherer. Like, being a gatherer is awesome. But, like, think about, like, but when, what, what happens when she's not a gatherer? Being a gatherer is great. You could absolutely, being a gatherer, being a good speaker, being good at one-on-ones, being good at small groups, all of that is to feed this philosophy of ministry, is to be a part of this philosophy of ministry, use those gifts. But when you become, then your gift mix becomes, that is, that is burnout. It's burnout and anxiety. So think about right now, like, what are you, like, you're gifted at something. There's something that you're good at, and there's something you're not as good at, and the thing that you're good at, like, it's kind of like how you got hired, right? That kind of thing. And that's good. That's great. But one of the things the philosophy ministry does, it's a safeguard that it actually frees you from your gifts. It frees you for your gifts. You're now using your gifts for this. It frees you from your gifts. John Stone, uh, we have Catalina Hill, Foothill person in here. Everybody, oh, okay. Um, the uh, John Stone was the campus minister and director of RUF for years, and now he's in Arizona. But he told me when I went from IPC, the church in Memphis, to be at RUF in Vander, at Vanderbilt, he said, and he was. You have to understand, John is very uh, blunt. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks, and just buckle up when you're around him. Um, he said, you just went from being the cool, relevant young pastor to being the uncool, irrelevant pastor overnight. He said, that's okay. That's what the POM is for. This isn't about you. It's actually for your weaknesses, not your strengths. You're doing RUF, just like you're going to be doing RUM, RYM's philosophy of ministry. So, like, you're going to use your gifts, but you're not the... So, like... You can be the uncool, irrelevant person. You're just being faithful to this. You use your gifts for this. And so there's something so liberating, and I love talking to my interns about this, there's something so liberating when you stop being the focal point of your ministry. And I wonder if that's not causing some of y'all a lot of anxiety right now. Like, 
Y'all, ministry is impossible. Is that Francis Schaeffer said it? He sent all these guys out to Europe to these universities to go preach the gospel, and they came back and they said, it's so hard. It's so hard. No one's being, no one wants to hear this. And he goes, it's not, it's not hard. It's impossible. As long as you think it's hard, then you'll still think that you have a chance. But would you embrace the impossibility of it? Then you surrender to God's work through you. And so your gift mix, all these things, sometimes we, we, we try to ramp those things up so we can ministry. I'll finally figure it out. I'll finally have enough numbers. We'll finally get enough people to go on the retreat. We'll finally get enough people, all these things. And we'll finally get the photo op that will look like, yes, finally I've succeeded. And here's the thing. It's going to always elude you. But if you realize this is about Jesus and them. Ministry is about Jesus and your student. And you get to go, wow. You can become curious instead of terrified if that's where some of you are. And to say, I want to see God work through Scripture, the doctrine of justification, sanctification, and glorification, which is just the essence of the gospel unpacked. The gospel is what transforms people. I want to see these people transformed by this gospel rather than me being the centerpiece of it. The Messiah has come, and you are not him, he. He's come. And so it's about us getting out of the way, large groups, small groups, and one-on-ones, which are avenues of ministry, so that God can do his work, gospel ministry work, and we show up. And then, yeah, use your gifts. They're his gifts. He gave them to you. But it's a safeguard. That is so liberating to think about it this way. The philosophy ministry says the gospel, that's why it's the trunk. The principle is just another way of saying gospel, okay? The gospel has the power and that God is at work and allows us to do ministry, not do my strengths. When my gift mix is the engine of the ministry, you have to hit a home run every at-bat. And y'all wonder why I was losing my mind in my 30s at Independent. It's one of these big high steeples. And I like go up there to, you know, preach. And I was like, man, I, this has got to, this has got I've got to crush it. I'm going to crush it every week. But like the philosophy ministry said, no, be faithful, be faithful to the gospel. Pray, show up, hang, get the gospel, get in your CRV, drive down to campus. I now have a Civic, I've upgraded. Get in your Civic, drive down to campus, you've got the gospel, the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the dunamis, the dynamite power of God to change people's hearts. Get in it, it's the gospel. Not you, brah, in your Civic, middle-aged man. So it was like, and one thing, it was like super humbling when Stone said that to me. But it was also totally liberating. Because I was like, oh, what do I do? I get to talk to this person about the gospel, and then I get to see and become curious about what God's doing, doing in their life, and just keep showing up. It, it, y'all, it actually makes ministry, like, I don't know how to say this, more enjoyable sometimes, rather than terrifying all the time. It frees you, so also on safeguard right here, it frees you from tangents. Um, do we have the rocket ship illustration? The rocket ship illustration. I don't know if we have that one. Thank you. 
Are y'all, are y'all tracking? Not like you would say you weren't. But if you have questions, please ask questions, especially during the break. That's an impossible uh, question for me to ask. Uh, don't worry about it, man. Oh, there's rocket diagrams down here uh, under philosophy mystery diagrams. Rocket diagram. There it is. Sweet. Yes. Beautiful. The rocket. Yeah. It's kind of an obscure diagram because most people don't see the rocket. But here's the thing. So let me just point out the rocket. If I can do this like a weatherman. The, the rocket. Here's essentially what the rocket's saying. And I'll go back to this at, at, during our second session. But you have the gospel here. You have our presuppositions here. You have the reach and equip, which is our purpose. Like, this is the thing. This is the, this is the rocket. The, there are theological tangents that can pull the rocket off course. Um, there are ethical tangents. And I'll say this. Like, some of the ethical tangents of, of the past, so we don't step in on any toes, are like homeschool or public school or private school. Uh, Harry Potter or no Harry Potter. That was, like, huge back when I was getting started out. That's how old I am. Um, um, Halloween, um, no Halloween, yes Halloween, um, dating, uh, courting, dating versus courting, that's an old one too, um, music styles, <laughs> music styles, um, and the theological tangents, eschatology, like end times stuff, um, denominationalisms, worship styles, so here's what we have, the philosophy of ministry keeps the rocket going. It keeps the main thing the main thing that your ministry has this momentum and this is how it takes off. That's how it goes. Now, when the tangents pull them off, now you've seen churches and ministries like this, when it becomes tangent focused, the rocket becomes a missile. It becomes destructive. You've seen churches like this, you've seen people like this. And when they make the main thing their denomination, their reading of this, their worship style, those kind of things. One of the things the philosophy ministry helps you do is to keep the main thing the main thing so that you don't turn the rocket into a missile and blow everything up. Somebody give me some more tangents. What are current, you're in current youth ministry. What are some current tangents? Tick tock. Okay, so what's the, ten, what's the tangent? Like for or against kind of thing? For against is the, you know, tick tock. Yeah. So everyone's using it, and so you don't want to like come down hard on it, but you also want to be like, let's go watch TikTok for an hour. Yeah, that's hard. Some more. What are some more tangents that you feel like would pull you away from the main thing, the gospel? Yeah. The next fun thing to do. A parent wants to go Yes. So that yeah. So that, that I've never thought about that. The great. I've never thought about that as being a tangent, but that totally is, completely. Especially if the resources to do it. It's like my kids aren't having fun. My kids aren't right. Because you want them to have fun. You don't want it to be boring. No, we're just going to read the Westminster Confession. Yes. Total tangent. Yeah. Wear a mask and some kids won't have it. 
That's a razor's edge, isn't it? Yeah, that's a great example. And then all of the political chaos that we're experiencing. This is just outrageous. You feel it, right? So all these different things. So one of the things that it enables you to do is it protects your ministry from pragmatism. It's a safeguard against your ministry from being about you and your gift mix. And it's a safeguard against tangents. Um, so here's the last one. So I'm, I love going through these like different ways. So it's a lens, it's a processor, it's a safeguard, and here's the last one. I see it almost liturgically, and here's what that means. Liturgy, um, those rituals that are loaded with an ultimate story about who we are and what we're for. So when you're doing something liturgically, basically what you're doing is you're reliving the narrative that's informing who you are and that shapes you. And so I see the POM, the philosophy of ministry, in a lot of ways, liturgically. We stay in the philosophy of ministry. You feed things through the philosophy of ministry, the processors. You see them through the lens. You keep it. You keep that, you keep that central when you're making decisions. What is our philosophy of ministry? And you keep thinking, at it, thinking about it so that when you make decisions, it actually becomes sort of like part of you. You begin to think like almost, it almost becomes second nature after a while. But you begin to make decisions and say, no, this is what we're doing. And here's the thing. It's not because it's so, like, esoteric and hard to understand. It isn't. You'll see. It's super basic. That's probably why we don't understand it. It's so simple. That's why we have such a hard time with it. What you'll find is it's going to help you stay in ministry. Because here's the thing. It's somehow, one of the things philosophy ministry does it somehow makes ministry less mysterious. Now, I don't mean the mystery, mystery in the fact that how God works in people's lives, but it becomes less about cracking the code. Gosh, I'm so sick of trying to crack the code of ministry. Right? And it's so American for us, right? How do we crack the code to make my ministry going to turn? And I remember just getting these all these emails when I was in youth ministry, email after email about like, 30-part video series that if you don't have this, your students are dead. You're horrible. You know that? There's, you're getting like spammed all the time with, here's what you're, this will make your ministry go off the thing. Y'all, y'all getting that still? Just spam. This is what's going to make your ministry thrive. It's going to make it awesome. And you're just basically showing up and doing like basic gospel ministry. But we go back to Matthew 28 and we go back to Acts chapter 2. This is what God does. This is what we believe that God does. Um. It's intended, when I say it's liturgically, liturgical, it's not only formative, but it's intended for simplicity, not complexity. If, it's compu- if, if the philosophy of ministry is confusing, it's because the people teaching it haven't been clear. It's not confusing. It's not about insider secret knowledge. It's a tool. It's not a tool to look down on other ministries that aren't doing it this way. It's a structure that keeps us Christocentric. I believe that one of the most beautiful things about a philosophy of ministry, about places like RYM or places like RUF, is that it is hardwired with the gospel. That's what Mark Lowry and the early founders, formers of RUF and people like R- the RYM, they had the same group. The reason why there's so much overlap is the same group of people that started both, basically. And all, funny, it all started in Mississippi, right? But it was hardwired with the gospel, which is, which is the essence of being reformed. Reformation was a rediscovery of the gospel. 
So when people say, what does it mean? What are you reformed? It means I love the gospel, and the gospel is central. And so the ministry was built to keep the gospel at the core so that the language we use and the way we renew and refresh ourselves is returned to this philosophy of ministry because what we're giving them, we're eating. We're feeding ourselves the gospel, and it's flowing out of us. I was just talking this week to a pastor who's going like, I just feel like the men in my church don't care at all about God. They're nice guys. They would say they're Christians, you know, like say they're Christians because they also love SEC football, right? It's the same thing. <laughs> and that's, that's a southern thing, so I apologize. But, like, but he's saying like, okay, so how do people get, so what do I do? How do, I, how do people get transformed? When I said it starts with you, the pastor, it starts with your desperate need and love and enjoyment of Jesus. That's it. We don't do that. None of this other stuff matters. It means that you are internalizing the gospel yourself. That's all I'm going to talk about every single night. I'm going to talk about a different aspect of how much God loves you. And how much he's for you. And how wonderful he is. How wonderful Jesus is. How kind he is. And so that you, Jesus meets you in the darkest places where you feel most cursed. Y'all, it inevitably bears fruit in your life. And the fruit is for your people. Your joy for Christ. Your experience of his forgiveness. The, the, the renewal that you experience. The healing of your shame. How you're moving more vulnerably into other relationships. How you're coming back online. Your heart is, is experiencing the shalom of Eden. Well, that is what we're about. And the philosophy of ministry is for you first and foremost. All right. I'll close with this. God is a father, perfectly loving his son through the spirit. And everything we do is a means to knowing that God and being known by him. Scripture is a means to God. The gospel is a means to God. Justification is a means to God. Sanctification, glorification. The gospel is a means to relating to God. The gospel itself is a way to come to God. It's how God brought us to himself. And so none of our theological concepts are ends in themselves. Now that is a temptation for Reformed people. That is. Is we love theology so much, and rightfully so, hallelujah, all caps. But it can quickly become, because we're broken people, it can quickly become an end in itself. Our doctrine of scripture can become an end in itself. Y'all, scripture is a way to relate to the triune God. That's when you're teaching. The POM, as one of our principles, when you're teaching scripture, you go straight to the road to Emmaus. And you teach the Bible the way Jesus taught the Bible. Bible's about me. And you keep going back. You keep going back. You keep going back. How does this passage teach about Jesus? How does this passage teach about Jesus? And that's what makes it sparkle. That's what makes it come alive in your life. All right. Questions before we... I think we're doing good. Let's have some questions. Thoughts. Comments. It's a lot of content. Sorry. It's less that you get the details. I want you to kind of get kind of what I'm jamming on. I want you to kind of catch the vibe. Rather than you remember, he said processor, he said looms. I don't know. 
Like, I don't really care about that. I want you to get how beautifully and like, exquisitely simple this is and how much it's about the gospel. Yes? That's such a good question. I would do what, how I started. So, like, what is it? What is what is what is the church supposed to be doing? Because all ministry, all youth ministry is, is carrying out the mission of your local church, right? You're just doing it with a particular demographic, and so I would start with Matthew 28 and Acts chapter two, because those people like you can say like, here's what I believe, and then you articulate it from the Bible. Because like, who's, I can't really argue with that, right? They're like, I don't know, I don't know about, yeah, like, can't do that. Always, if you go back to scripture and make the case from that, yeah, that's a great question. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's really good. Yeah, bite-sized kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. Someone else? Yes. Yeah. What's the other, and the other stuff being, like, yeah, yeah.
100%. So it, the, the rocket diagram, the POM, it doesn't mean you don't speak into other things or don't teach other things. But one of the things I will say is you come at them, so current topics, you come at them through the principles. So when you're talking about cultural issues, and now Keller is, is the godfather of this, right? So the gospel being the lens through which you talk about hot topics. And so what you're doing, you're kind of doing a both and. So you're talking about the gospel, but then, okay, well then what does that mean for um, how do we relate to people who are on the opposite side of us politically? And what does it mean to move toward people who are, quote unquote, our enemy? What, is it, what does it look like for us to love the outsider? So really making sure the gospel is the thing. And so you have to speak to those things. But you begin to do them through the lens of the gospel. And then I would also say, being in youth ministry, since you're part of a local church, um, that really is, and some of y'all don't know this is kind of going to be a quagmire, but that's really where you, where you want to lean into the leadership too. Like what is the... And, and, and so sometimes you get in the, you're not maybe on the same page with leadership about their views on those things. I understand that. That's super complicated. But you're not out there on an island all alone. And I've seen some youth, pastor, youth pastors just get blown up because they were trying, had every good intention to speak about the, the current topics, whatever they are. And, and, and they're sort of out there. I, youth pastors are so vulnerable. That's one of the reasons I love doing this is that you get like, because I, I remember, I remember getting hung out to dry at a session meeting one time, I'll never forget it, and going like, wow, that was horrible. And so I, I, I do think leaders, other people, pastors, leaning into that community, but also I would say when you're talking about those things, the way you keep them from being tangents is you stop seeing those as like the only thing you're talking about. So dating and courtship becomes like, when you're doing a series, like we, everyone in RF does a relationship series. It's like, that's how you pack the house out, right? We joke about that dating, sex, all those different things. But the reason RUF1 is so unique is that it is so, it's all through the gospel. So how does the doctrine of justification impact the way I deal with my insecurity in, in relationship with someone of the opposite sex? Right, so we're teaching it from that lens. That help? Yeah, good. All right, another question. Thoughts? Clarifications? You got one? Yeah. Yeah, do you use an example um, from like the transition that Pastor started at and like in POM and stuff? Um, like how this maybe changed or affected how you saw Jesus and God the Father or through this and then how that translated your ministry? Yeah. Um, and we'll get into this the presuppositions, but. God's at work before I work. He's just already at work. It was life-changing because it wasn't contingent upon me. Like, all right, God, wake up. Let's get this going. But this idea that being part of our presuppositions, we assume automatically God's already at work. So when you're, when you're in a large group, God's at work. Who's he bringing here? He's at work. And so you're just faithful to preach the gospel, prayer, to do the basic sort of Christian stuff, and then God's going to work through those basic means of grace, just like he always does. And so it really did free me up, honestly, to be the spaz that I am. I, I just am. And, 
And for a long time, I was trying to be pastor. Like, what is a pastor? Like, what is it? I was trying, I mean, a lot, some of that's just growing up and trying to figure out who you are. But I was trying to, like, what is a pastor like? What is it supposed to be like? And the POM says, like, you're richy, man. You're terrible at some things. You're really good at some other things. And you talk with your hands in a way that is almost alarming. <laughs> but you can't stop. And that's how I made you. And so it helped me a little bit become more, a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. Um, because the ministry wasn't about me. It was about what God was doing through the ministry. It's like, he uses spazzes. I mean, just look at all the different people God used throughout Scripture and throughout history for his kingdom, but it was always the same gospel. So we have fixed theology of flexible methodology. So, we have, so your ministry in Minnesota is going to look a lot different than a ministry in Meridian, Mississippi, right? But it's the same gospel. So it allows you to pivot, right? Any other questions? These are great. Yes. What's your point of view on being left alone by your elders? Oh, just kind of out there on your own? Really sad. Um, first, that's the first thing is just like, wow, aren't our churches broken? That's really sad and lonely. And that, I mean, I've experienced that being, and, and just that being scary. Um, I learn, I have learned to find allies in the church. And sometimes they were elders and sometimes they weren't. Um, but people that sort of like love what you were doing and really cared about you as a person, not just as a minister. And so man, if you just have one of those or two of those in the church, it can be a lifeline. It was for me. People just like, hey, I just treat you like a normal person. I got your back. I can process stuff with you. You know, uh, there was a friend of mine that he, he and I used to go on these long runs together. Uh, and I would just, you know, can you believe so-and-so said this? You know, we're just jogging, like, I can't believe it. Um, so having someone that's safe that you can process stuff with. Maybe in the church, probably probably not. Yeah. Someone else, yeah. Yeah, how would you say the uh, role of the parents kind of ties in? Because, you know, it's probably one of those presuppositions, right, that God's ordained them as the primary disciples of their children. you got some parents who are doing really well, they're discipling their kids really well, and the others that are like, hey, thanks for doing yeah. Thanks that you get to talk to them about this stuff. Like, how to get parents on on board that you're partnering with them. Oh man. I mean, that's a good question. That's probably the difference between RYM and RUF. Um, that's like this significant difference um, because that's actually one of the presuppositions is covenant. Um, is the covenant family? Um, you can bring out bring out the kite. What are you doing? Yeah, there it is. So explain that one to him, Michael.
very Presbyterian of us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit, yeah. That's great. We'll touch on it. Yeah. I'll just say, what, what time are we breaking? Um, and, and I'll just say, when it comes to the parent stuff and just student ministry, is adopting a long view approach. We'll talk more about that in presuppositions. It's like, let's just step back, take a view, and just a long-term approach. And I do think the philosophy ministry, it, it can help not want quick results because that is where we kind of lean into control. These, you know, that's where we kind of can get in some trouble. And so sort of this is a long approach, like God, you're ministering to this family for a season, for this season. And so being faithful to the gospel in this season, but you're not going to be the last person that ministers to the student and you're not going to be the last person that ministers to the family. And so this family may look one way one year and then five years down the line may look completely different. And so I like to see myself as being part of someone's narrative that comes along and maybe, you know, Jesus talks about that, you know, uh, there's just this. It's the seed being thrown in the ground, right? Um, so I, I, I love that. Like I have a, I know someone who's dealing with some really, really heavy stuff right now with his daughter. Um, and we've been processing it as a group of friends. And, and we came to the conclusion like, this is awful and really hard and scary. This is part of her story and God's at work. So stepping back and going like, okay, this is part of her story because look, if someone took a snapshot of you at 13 and said, like, this is the way you're going to be, how do you like him afterwards? 
So it, it allows you kind of go like, God's at work. And so like being patient at the same time kind of moving forward, that's great. Any other, another question, comments? Yes, yes, I'm sorry. My thought kind of builds off of that. This is so helpful. I'm Good. It was a dumpster fire. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say it was very messy. Um, so are you saying when I left the church and then they were attached to Jesus rather than me when I left the church? Right. That's a good point. So one thing I will say, this is God's, God's absolute grace. I so need Jesus. And so when I preached, I was terrified every time I got in the pulpit that I just wanted to clearly give people Jesus and get out of the way. I didn't, I didn't think it was cool to be a pastor. I didn't want to, like, have a platform or be a celebrity. I just wanted to, like, feed these people Jesus and then just. And so what I would say is that actually protected me a little bit. My fear and insecurity and all the shame I had actually let those people, I think, get Jesus and not attached to me. But I have a lot of people from the, like, after I left, I thought it was terrible. I thought I did a horrible job. You know, I, that's the kind of my, that's my go-to. It's like, oh, that was terrible. That was awful. And not kidding. Um, not able to see it clearly. And then out of the years that passed, I'd be like, I was converted, you know, when you did this. Or I really experienced Jesus. And it was like, what? And then I started realizing fruit is always for other people. It's never for you. And the fruit that God's producing in me, through that hard experience, through your hard experience, the fruit of humility and the fruit of hope and the fruit of joy and the fruit of going through suffering that produces this perseverance. And um, that fruit is, is other people are eating that. And so, yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, that's a great way of saying, I think, looking at the philosophy ministry and saying, that how do people have a healthy attachment to Jesus, not to me? That's another great way of saying this is what the PA aim is. Yeah, other questions? This is great, y'all. I love hearing this. I've never done this much. Like, I love having y'all have feedback and talk. Yes? So, a lot of our churches, youth groups probably, they have, like, a vision statement, mission statement, values, which seems to overlap a lot with this. Yep. So, like, like we talked about, we're not just going to go back to church and be like, all right, forget all this, we're going to do this. So, the, I guess I'm just trying to connect, like, is the philosophy ministry more Yeah, so this is probably not going to, it's, the philosophy ministry is, and I like Michael, I like to hear what you say, but the philosophy ministry, when it, in the context of a local church, to me, it's how you process ministry and make decisions for your ministry. It's not, it's not basically saying we're, you know, we're against this. It's, it's like, this is how we're going to make decisions about programming. This is how we're going to make decisions about what we're going to teach. This is gonna. This is gonna make decisions about how, even who we want to bring on board. You know, people we want to hire. Um, it's gonna help you make decisions and to be theologically reflective as you sit back and go like, "Hey, what are some highs and lows this year? How do we feed these through the the POM?" 
you know, how do we process, sit back, and this is what RYM can do really good, is how do we talk about the year, this past year or the past six months, through the lens of the, that's really what the POM is for, POM is for you. In the local church, you're not replacing their glossy folders that they come up with, all that stuff. That's all great, and there's so many things. This is really more for, for you. Would you, uh, would you agree with that, Michael? Yeah, yeah I think you hit it on the head. It's definitely not something that becomes like the undertaker of your youth group or has a right. Yes. That's great. That's great, Michael. Yeah, it helps you like be reflective about like, hey, where do we need to grow? We're we're really strong in this. Like, wh- where do we kind of need to kind of lean into? What are some things we can do? And then that could that can inform like, you know, we need to, you know, I feel like our students don't really know anything about the Bible. You know, they're really good at fellowship. So like, wh- let's let's do a series on scripture. You know, let's, uh, so I'm teaching this or maybe small groups. So it's helping you like, oh, this is how we, we need to kind of, like, it's helping you make this, make those decisions. Very practical. Yeah. Any other questions? All right. We got a few minutes. Let's, oh, we don't. Let me pray for us. Let's thank the Lord for our time. Lord, as we go to a break now, we, I'm just so thankful that, and amazed I am, that you would use us to do this ministry and how it pleases you. So, Lord, I just ask that you would, by your Spirit, that you, Holy Spirit, would give us a fresh experience of the gospel, a a fresh desire for people to come to know Jesus as we experience his love for us in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen.